freaking out. This is Brock and Saul. Brock Eward is my hero. Jay Buhner just punched me in the kidney. On Seattle Sports. So we're going to excuse you from the interview. Don't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Eward and Mike Saul. Hello! Well, show's flying by on a Monday. Salky will be back tomorrow. He's going to have some fun news. I'm sure some fun stories of what they've experienced in their place over the last 24-plus hours. What we've experienced, how many days now since Pete Carroll was like, has it been three weeks, two and a half? I think it was January 10th. Yes. Is that right? Sheesh. So, yeah, we're going to come up on three weeks tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, will it be three weeks that we get a new head coach? Do you anticipate this if he was fired, let go, when we heard about it on a Wednesday? I think they made that decision following our show on that Monday, Tuesday. Do you think it'll be three weeks in the books and we're going to have a decision by Wednesday? Yeah, I, I would think so. Maybe Thursday at the very latest. But, yeah, I mean, the, the all of the uh, – after they interview McDonald, whenever that – I believe uh, we heard the report that that's supposed to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they will have gotten all the information that they need. Now, they, they would have only been one interview with McDonald because they didn't do the first one right. uh, during the wild card round. But, but they um, get to do this one in person, much yeah. like they're in Detroit today. Let's, uh, in fact, play that sound. This was Tom Pelissaro this morning talking about where the Seahawks, they – being John and the rest of his team are looks like they took that private plane out to Detroit here's Tom talking about today and tomorrow when it comes to the Seahawks maybe wrapping up these interviews the Seahawks are scheduled to interview Ben Johnson later today in Detroit then they are set to interview Mike McDonald on Tuesday morning with the Ravens for the commanders they've got Ravens associate head coach and defensive line coach Anthony Weaver this afternoon Mike McDonald tonight Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn on Tuesday morning. They have later in the day Ben Johnson in Detroit where they're also scheduled to interview defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. That might be it for head coaching interviews in this cycle. And no Vrabel, by the way, over this three-week course. Is that is that a correct understanding? Yeah, there was a report that there was interest in Mike Vrabel, but there was never a report that they interviewed him. And and he Vrabel is different than the candidates of mm-hmm. you know from teams who um, either we're in the They've playoffs, playing, right, right, or even, or even, you know, guys who missed out on the playoffs. He's he's the equivalent of a free agent, so he would not have applied to any of the other rules in terms of when you can interview a guy, when you could hire him. He was a free agent, unemployed, not employed by any other team. They could have interviewed him at any time. They could have hired him at any time. So the fact that there was not even a known interview with him, mm. uh, I think that that is telling, and, and it's interesting yep. as well. Yeah, and likely, would your gut say, I don't want to put words in your mouth, you said this a couple hours ago as we started the show, and Brady's in for Salk today. Salk will be back tomorrow. Going to be a blast as we should get news over this week, if not the next 72 hours, 48 hours, as far as the next Seahawks head coach. Is it your feeling that it's McDonald, that it's Ben Johnson, or that it's Dan Quinn, someone they've interviewed two different times? That's my gut, yeah, and I don't, I don't have a lot of like solid information to back that. And as we know, you know, it's it's hard to predict what these guys can do sometimes, and they've usually got a wild card up their sleeve. But because Kafka was interviewed twice, Evero was interviewed twice, so the hay is in the barn with those guys. And I'm Patrick sure. Graham was interviewed twice yep. as well. So I'm going to guess this is a chance to see them in person. This is a chance yeah. to do all of your due diligence again, analogous to a draft. This is your chance to go see their pro workout, to go see them in their own environment, to to really have that face to face time that is so critical and now you will have done it i know mcdonald will just be a one-time shot that will be tomorrow because they didn't as you said do it virtually the first time around but they're doing all of their homework brady man they're doing it all and if it's exhausting for you and i to talk about (laughs) and if i got to find myself like hey man be careful of your bias 
Right, a lot of textures weighed in. Maura, you had a good text from one of our friends, one of our old timers that reminded me about um, maybe one of the greatest leaders in American history. And he too, right, Maura, was an introvert? Was that was that Abe? <laughs> so what was the 206 that? says, Brock, you're killing me. Mm. Did the introverted Lincoln not command the room when he gave the Gettysburg Address? Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are oh, I created did, I didn't know equal. You were gonna... Oh, no, that's oh. your sentence. Was that right. off the top of the head, Brock? Did, no, did you have that committed really. to memory? I did yeah. at one point. I'm a pretty good memorizer, so if I needed to, I could have. And he said, Did the introverted Eisenhower not command the room as he prepares it's his true. men for D Day? Introverted leaders are some of the most commanding, best leaders in history. They can be, they can absolutely be but they've got to be comfortable in their skin to do something they've never done before. Mike McDonald never been a head coach before. He's commanded a defensive unit, and he's done it very well. As Jamison, as you heard from Jamison Hensley, our uh, correspondent there, does the job that Brady does. He does it in Baltimore for ESPN, but he doesn't love large settings. He doesn't necessarily enjoy being around all of those reporters. He enjoys putting together masterful plans each and every week. And what an amazing coordinator he would be. I know you've asked me a couple different times off the air, Brady, what would be my ideal pairing? Before I answer it, do you have yours? Do you have your ideal? You've watched all these YouTubes on these guys, right? You're coming at it from your reporter sense. Maybe I'll come at it from a football sense. But do you have maybe an ideal pairing for these Seahawks moving forward? Yeah, I, I, I kind of the one that hits me is somebody like Ben Johnson, and then uh, you know maybe a well, ideally it's Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald. But you're, I think Mike McDonald is either going to be a head coach or he's going to yes. be he's going to stick with the Ravens as their. Can defensive those guys leave laterally? I thought that there was some rule, some form, some kind of handshake, gentleman agreement in the NFL that you don't leave for a lateral job. Can an Everode leave Carolina? for a lateral defensive coordinator position? Can Patrick Graham leave Vegas for a lateral move? I thought it had to be an upward move when you're under contract with the current team. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm not entirely sure how it works. I think the rules can be different when that team hires a new head coach. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know exactly how that would work. But the, the other question is, would those guys want to, to leave and take what is on paper mm-hmm. a lateral move? I think look at each of the individual situations and you can make a case for that. Now, uh, you know, Mike Kafka, we talked about him. So he is he's calling plays under an offensive-minded head coach in Brian Dable. And again, there was some thought that um, at one point, I, I went back and watched the press conference that Kafka did leading into the Week 4 Seahawks game, and he was facing questions from reporters about whether or not Dable had, mm-hmm. you know, sort of, you know, uh, kind of secretly or, or unannounced. Intervened, right. Had, right, had taken mm-hmm. over play-calling duties from him, and he didn't really deny it. And so would he feel stifled by an offensive-minded head coach, and would he feel like he would have more freedom uh, to call plays elsewhere? Maybe. Patrick Graham. Okay, let's look at his situation. He was the defensive coordinator with the Raiders, and when they fired Josh McDaniels in October, they hired one of his assistant coaches to be the interim coach, Antonio Pierce. So they they hired from underneath Patrick Graham, yep. passed him over for that promotion. So would Patrick Graham mm. maybe be interested in calling defensive plays elsewhere? I could see that. And as you mentioned, Ajiro Evero in Carolina a guy who uh, had been there and Dan Morgan, who was in Seattle's front office, uh, when he became the general manager, instead of promoting from within uh, and, and hiring Ejiro Evero, who got mm-hmm. a head coaching interview for that job, he instead hired Dave Canales, a guy from the outside. So would Evero maybe be interested in making what on paper 
is a lateral move. Yeah, if if it could happen contractually, if there was not a rule against it, mm-hmm. I could see any one of those three well, guys doing I know, that. I know this watching the games over the weekend, and um, we may do some takeaways here in 20 minutes from some of those games, the little Seahawk eye. I know this, Brady, without a, without a shadow of a doubt, and I have felt this way for years, and I've been screaming at the clouds and screaming at Ken Norton and screaming at Clint Hurt that your defense is too simple, that it is too easy on quarterbacks. There are too many gimmies, so many easy completions. The middle of the field is so wide open. There, I've had so many issues, and Pete's tried to calm me down and tell me, hey, you don't, don't see it, you don't get it. But I know what my eye saw yesterday. My eye saw Steve Spagnola drop an unbelievable plan against Lamar Jackson, sack him four different times, hit him, harass him, bother him, throwing his helmet on the sidelines because it wasn't a simple, easy picture like they went to Baltimore with and got absolutely decimated, right? I, I saw and have seen um, Mike McDonald put together plans that frustrate and irritate and each and every week make you left-handed, each and every week take away what you do best, and each and every week confuse even the best quarterbacks and shut down Mahomes for the final seven, eight possessions of that game. That is what I do need to see. So whether that's with the Ben Johnson as a head coach, uh, you know, and and then he's going to bring in one of these, man, more than anything, anything, because the offense this year in particular was pretty good. Didn't run it well enough. By no means has run it well enough over the last few years, but this defense needs an absolute recharge. We'll dig in a whole bunch more of that in about 20 minutes after everything you need to know, which Brady and I will tackle next right here on Seattle Sports 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. I'm not going to lie, it feels a little bit like the month of April when we lead up to an NFL draft where week after week after week we're talking about prospects. We're looking at where John Schneider's is and we're trying to read the room and read the tea leaves of what's next, who's going to be the Seahawks that fill up the first and the second and the third round. Well, now it's the biggest seat in the building as far as coaching goes. It's a head coaching vacancy and we've spent now three weeks Three weeks since Pete Carroll sat with us on a Monday. Never imagined that he wouldn't be the coach. Tuesday, they they make the decision. They move on. Wednesday, they finally hire or let go of Pete. Will it be three weeks from that day? Will it be Wednesday that we finally do know? As Ian Rappaport tells us, there are two teams down to it. And the two and the Washington Commanders and the Seahawks might just get the candidate they want after all. You know, what we've reached a point here, Tom, is like there's really no point in rushing because, you know, unless these two teams are going to settle on the same candidate, which I guess is possible if it's Dan Quinn, maybe. There's really no reason to rush. They can sort of settle in and go, you know what? We're just going to pick the best candidate. And everyone's hiring staffs at the same time, no matter what. And that is fine. And let's just do it. But I would say this, like Dan Quinn certainly seems to be a prime candidate at both spots. So it obviously is a real possibility the Cowboys end up losing the defensive coordinator. One area where this is not analogous to the draft is unlike the draft where someone gets taken and they get no say in it, Dan Quinn will have a say. Ben Johnson's also interviewing these Seahawks as he's interviewed for the Washington job. Same with Mike McDonald, right? It's not just a one-way street like the NFL draft is. This is a two-way street, and you can go fight for it, and they can go fight for it. And Dan Quinn gets offered a job by the commanders. Doesn't mean he's going to immediately accept it. He might go to his agent and say, as much as I want this, leverage this, because I need to get to Seattle. So... All that being said and done, all these second interviews will finally end today and into tomorrow. A decision, right, Brady's coming the next 48 to 72 hours? I would think so. I would think by Wednesday, if not Thursday, at the very latest. And for those reasons that you just talked about, Brock, I, I think I think this coaching search is more akin to free agency uh, mm. than it is the draft. And, and, you know, executives will tell you that 
the one thing you got to be in free agency is pliable. You do all your homework on all these guys. You may target this guy, but hey, he signs elsewhere. You got to move on. Uh, you're negotiating with these different guys, different contracts. And so I think the Seahawks are in a good position because that has, has maybe only happened to them with one candidate, right? Uh, of the six head coaching hires that have been made so far, there's only been one of those guys that actually was on the Seahawks Raider. That was Raheem Morris, who they were set to do a second interview with before he took the Atlanta job. So even with you know some carryover in the candidates with the commanders and the Seahawks, look, even if Washington beats them to the punch on one of these guys, you know, they are going to have their pick of some pretty mm-hmm. sought-after candidates. And look, I think I think this search, this decision boils down to, to two separate questions. One, what's going to give you the best chance to get by your nemesises in the division, right? The mm-hmm. offensive-minded uh, head coaches in San Francisco and with the Rams. The other question is, who is going to be that leader, the guy who, as Jody Allen told John Schneider, who's going to be the guy to maintain that culture? I think if you're looking at um, you know, the first question of how do you get by the 49ers and the Rams, man, you could not go wrong with either Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald. And you saw that again yesterday, Detroit scoring 31 points, Baltimore, as Jamison Hensley told us, shutting down Patrick Mahomes and company in the second half. Here's the second thing you need to know. Speaking of yesterday, it was the Chiefs, 17-10. And yes, Mike McDonald's crew did a fine job on Mahomes. They only averaged 2.8 yards per rush, found a way to get off the field and, and get Baltimore the ball back time after time after time. But unfortunately, you lose a turnover battle, 0-3 to three in the playoffs, you're going to lose that game. Those numbers are pretty clear when it comes to ball security. That's unfortunately what happened for those number one seeded Ravens who lose at home and Kansas City will go to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Oh my gosh. And on the other side, San Francisco and Detroit, the heartache in Detroit Motor City, man. Ford Field was packed. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, I don't think there was an empty seat in the house. They were just watching on the big screen and watching their beloved Lions jump out to a 24-7 lead. And then I liked your word you just used right there, pliable. You better be pliable. I know this is what you've been and what you've done all season long, but are those analytics and those decisions different in the playoffs? Should you have gone up three scores? Should you have tried to tie it and stem the momentum? All questions that Dan Campbell is going to live with, but after the game, according to the head man, no regrets from his headset. I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and not letting them play long ball. You know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. And I wanted to get the upper hand back. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know, I get that. But I don't regret those decisions, and that's hard because, you know, they didn't, we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out, but I just, I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man. But this didn't work out. God bless Dan Quinn, man. You oh. can tell that the guy was shedding some tears right before he came to Dan that Campbell, press. Please. Dan, Dan Campbell, Campbell, I'm sorry. Oh, Thank it. you. God bless Dan Quinn, too. He seems like a great <laughs> yes. guy as well. But <laughs> but Dan Campbell, man, the guy wears the emotions on his sleeve, yeah. lives by the aggressiveness, and and they died by it, frankly, in that game yesterday. Now, the, the two decisions that we talked about earlier, you know, the, he was explaining there in that cut we heard, I think he was explaining more so the second right. of those two fourth down decisions where yep. the alternative was – uh, you know, San Francisco just bleeds out the clock. Even if they kick that field goal there, they just hand the ball off to McCaffrey and they grind out a victory there. But That's why tied, he wanted man, seven. But yep. you tie the game and you put the pressure back on them. I know. <sighs> I know. You go and, up three scores, you put the pressure back on them. I know you wanted to be 31 to 10, and there's a huge statistical difference if you're up three touchdowns going into the fourth quarter. 
But go up three scores and put the pressure back on the home team. Know the environment. Know the stakes. Know, be pliable to those different decisions. And oh, by the way, as Salk texted our crew last night, he had a friend that works for the, the numbers side of these things, the analytics side. It was like a 2% chance. It was 2% better to go for it than to kick the field goal. 2%. But that said, Brian, I agree with you. I, I, I would have I would have liked to have seen a field goal there. That said, what, how, why did that play not work out? Did that play not work out because they didn't get the look that they wanted? They didn't get the opportunity that they wanted? Was that play dead on arrival no. when they snapped the ball? No, no it was not. You get a one-on-one, man. You get Josh Reynolds on a one-on-one. You have a ball that's in both of his hands. And he's going to be kicking himself. Goff's going to be kicking himself. You guys are up against the clock on this bed. Okay, next. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, that was a bummer if you were uh, pulling for the Lions, as I found myself just really pulling for the Lions because of Dan Campbell, because of that fan base and everything else. And if you were bummed, then you turned the Kraken on last night and went, okay, come on. Come on, Seattle. Take care of Columbus. Get it done. And they did. They won 4-2 to two last night, defend their home ice. Been a little bit choppy, been a little bit up and down. Um, but the Kings, fortunately for them, have lost four in a row, so they're Closing in on them on the fourth playoff spot with about 50 games to go. That is, or excuse me, 32 games to go. That is everything you need to know. Not going to push that music, Badmore. Not going to do it. Mm-mm. <laughs> is that what I should have yelled? Push. Push. Gosh, you I feel. You had two seconds left. Yeah, man. Dan Campbell. Man, I, can you play this one more cut? I know uh, we've got to get to some takeaways, but I just love this one as well. As much as I love the transparency of that first one, you hear a guy in cut number six here. He knows. He's been a lifer in the league, man, for decades as a player and as a coach. He knows how hard these opportunities come by. This was telling as well. And it's a lesson learned. And look, I told those guys, this may have been our only shot. Do I think that? No. Do I believe that? No. However, I, I know how hard it is to get here. I, I'm well aware. And it'll be, it's going to be twice as hard to get back to this point next year than it was this year. That's, that's the reality. And if we don't have the same hunger and the same work, which is a whole other thing, once we get the offseason, um, then we got no shot of getting back here. I don't care how much better we get or what we add or what we drive. It's irrelevant. Um, it's going to be tough. It is so much harder to stay on that mountaintop, so much harder to make that final ascension. And boy, do we ever know that in Seattle. <laughs> and I think a big reason why Coach Carroll, even though the full pad eight, uh, full page ad was taken out beautifully to thank him as appropriately, we know how hard it was. And they never got back after that 14 Super Bowl, right? Very, didn't even get back to a, to a title game. So we know how hard that final ascension is. What did those two games yesterday teach us about our Seattle Seahawks? We'll dig into those takeaways next. Brady in for Salk. Man, the show is just absolutely flying by right here on the Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. This, this is Brock and Salk. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Salko, he'll be back in the fold tomorrow. In his stead today, the hitman who has just been delivering hits all day long. Great <laughs> insights from Brady the hitman. Henderson, a, a good ranked in about 10, 12 minutes or so. But on Mondays, Brady, over the course of the football season, Salk and I love to do takeaways, especially with those Seahawks games. I got a bunch of takeaways from yesterday's games that spin right back to Seattle. We'll tackle that now. Takeaways. Tip of the caps, my buddy Tom, golf instructor out there. 
great guy, diehard, passionate Seahawk fan as well. So love his text during football games. And he's absolutely right. He was absolutely right. As you watched those two games yesterday and you get to this stage, you get to play off football, Brady. And we talk about head coaches' decisions maybe having to be a little bit different. Well, the officiating's different when you get to this stage. They let you play at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And there's no ticky-tack holding calls, right? You, you, you saw yesterday just pure and utter violence at the line of scrimmage so many times. And it brought me back to Breno Giacomini. It brought me back to James Carpenter. It brought me back to those offensive lines in 13 and 14 in particular who were built to maul. Were the penalties in the regular season? Was Breno penalized quite a bit? Yes, he was. And were the Brave or Ravens yesterday? Sure. You know, their defensive guys especially just crossed the line and too many times just played with just not even reckless abandon. Just, just couldn't do it. You can't do that. You can't hit Mahomes in the head. You can't clothesline him in the face. You can't do those things. But as far as the combat at the line of scrimmage, man, it was violent and on display yesterday. It was, yeah, and, and you saw they, they also let a lot of the just after the whistle type yes. stuff go. I mean, yes. you, how many times did you see Travis Kelsey mixing it up with uh, a Ravens defender after the yep. snap? And so, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey, you think of him as just this this guy who does nothing but catch passes, and I don't think he's ever really been known as a blocker, but, man, that guy was getting after it yesterday, oh, and that was kind of yes. cool to see. But you're right, man. They let a lot of things go, and that game had everything that you really want, a great quarterback matchup, two great defenses, two explosive offenses. Um, it was just a, the way the game played out. Uh, I know there wasn't a whole lot of scoring in the second half, but still a good game in. And Romo Romo was even on his game too. I'm, I, I don't always like everything he does call-wise, but he was on his best behavior. He was mm-hmm. uh, he was he was bringing up some you know really he had some solid analysis, and that was just a really fun AFC Championship game. Takeaways. Yeah, sticking with that game, uh, Brock, look, I think there's a number of reasons why Baltimore lost that game. The first one was the Chiefs superstars played better than the Ravens superstars. And, man, you saw it time and time again with Mahomes and Kelsey, that connection. There was the crazy uh, scramble play where Mahomes throws back across his body and and Kelsey makes the diving catch. Uh, There was also that first touchdown and cut 13, Mora. I mean, Kyle Hamilton was all over Travis Kelsey on that play. He was not open by any means, but Mahomes put it exactly where it needed to be, and Kelsey made a tough catch right by the pylon. I have a single snap inside the 25. Here's Kansas City from the 19. Throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. Yeah, that's just one of the best tight ends in NFL history, one of the best quarterbacks uh, making a play. I I think the other reason why Baltimore lost that game, Brock, was they didn't, quote-unquote, play like a Raven. You've heard that saying before. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to play like a Raven? Yeah, they just know their clear identity. They know what to hang their hat on, and it doesn't matter. Some of the names on the nameplate have changed over the years, but the logo doesn't change, and you're going to play disciplined. You're going to play violent. You're going to play physical, and... Yeah, you're you're gonna you're gonna outlast them. That didn't happen. No, they, they played lost. violent. They did. They played but physical. Man, did they lose their mind? Right. I mean, it felt like some of those regular season games with the Seahawks, or it felt like even some playoff games with the Seahawks, Michael Bend and others. That when you lose and you're so frustrated. Yep. I mean, Lamar Jackson throws that pick. You know what? Hold on. I'm gonna get to my next takeaway on Lamar next. Takeaways. 
Yeah, go ahead and give me cut number 16 here. Fourth quarter, down 17-7. Kansas City Spagnola have done a great job just distressing Lamar and showing him one look and post-snap something different and Blitzer's coming in different ways and hitting him, harassing him, moving him. But this one, cut number 16, if Jared Goff's going to have some throws that he's going to sit on all offseason long and remember, Lamar's going to think about this decision, oh, I don't know, for the next six months. Second and 10 to the end zone again, and it is intercepted. Decision-making inaccuracy matter in the regular season. They're amplified tremendously in the postseason. And that decision was frustration. And then he comes off the sidelines and he throws his helmet on the ground. And and I liked what our, your peer over there in Baltimore said to us last hour when he when he talked about just wanting it too much. And if Josh Allen right now is having a narrative written that he can't win the big one, that he can't get to a Super Bowl, then you better write that same thing for Lamar. I mean, you better write. He's two and four now in playoff games. He's the number one seed. That game is there. And yes, Zay Flowers has a huge fumble into the end zone. But, you know, he gifted them points in the first half with a sack fumble that can't happen. He's sacked four different times. And here's just a little football 101 for you, Brady. Just from an accuracy standpoint, when you are a slinger, and you see this with Michael Penix, and he's going to have to prove this differently at the Senior Bowl. When you have a, a, a delivery that is low like Lamar's, and he just kind of slings it, you can throw short and you can throw intermediate tremendously. It doesn't really impact those throws 20 and underneath. But when you've got to get a ball up and down, and you heard Romo say this a ton, ah, he's missed him by three or five yards. The ball's just mm-hmm. long. And the difference is because he doesn't have, when like Mahomes will mix all of his arm angles. But when Mahomes got to throw it over the top, guess what? He can throw it over the top with his arm up. And that ball comes up and that ball comes down. See third and nine on the final play of the game. Look at the touch he put on that ball. So Valdez Scanling can adjust can just get his body underneath it and catch it just, you know, like a water balloon coming down. Lamar can't do that. He can't drop it in the bucket because he throws with such, you know, a Mm. slinger that that ball is just flat. He could still throw a deep ball and he threw a touchdown and everything else, you know, 40, 50 yards on the line. You can do that. But I'm talking touch on that inside fade twice. Get that ball up and have that nose turn over and get it down with touch. That, that club is missing in his bag, and it showed up, unfortunately, for him a few times yesterday. Yeah, you saw him overthrow the go ball to Odell Beckham Jr. Yes. on the far sideline, and you yes. saw him underthrow uh, that final interception to Isaiah Likely. By the way, uh, did did Kansas City get away with a pass interference penalty? The, he, was, he was bumped. He, he was bumped, but it didn't impact. I, why I didn't mind that call is the ball was so underthrown yeah. into triple coverage. If that's called there, I hate it because you're like you're rewarding a terrible play, right? And a terrible, terrible decision, play. yeah. And and a it, terrible decision. Yeah. And you you made the golf analogy. I'll make another one. That decision seemed like a guy who is kind of scuffling his way. You know, he's he's made a couple bogeys, a couple double bogeys, and he yep. feels like he's got to make something happen. Got to make an eagle, right? And you go, go for, for the it, too. and yep. you and you get way too aggressive. The problem is. That was not a situation in the game where you really had to throw Mm-mm. caution to the wind. Mm-mm. You didn't have to do it. Just at get that a field point. goal there, and it's a one-score game, and your defense has, sh- has shut them down over and over and over and over and over again, and given you those opportunities. That team just got, that team just got unhinged. Yeah. Just lost their focus, lost their discipline. John Harbaugh is an amazing coach, but I know he's sitting there this morning going, "Man, personal foul, personal foul, personal foul." Throwing helmets, cutting her hand on the... <laughs> Reaching the ball across the goal line and oh, fumbling it. Oh. Yep. Bummer. Next. 
Takeaways. Yeah, well, let's stick with Lamar Jackson. I think a larger point to me about Lamar is an interesting one here, which is that, look, the guy, he, he there were so many wrong opinions about him coming out of the draft. Remember, mm-hmm. it was he's a second round pick. He's not a great thrower of the football. He's going to have to move to uh, to wide receiver or some other skill position. Mm-hmm. So a, a lot of people ended up having egg on their face because the guy is uh, he's been an MVP. He's probably going to be a two time MVP. He's he's one. He's maybe the second best quarterback in the NFL behind Mahomes. behind Mahomes. And I wonder if some of the past criticisms of Jackson have made it difficult for people to criticize him in situations mm-hmm. where he truly does deserve criticism. In that mm-hmm. game yesterday, he, he deserves criticism. He he got outplayed in his building, yep. uh, and part of the reason for that was he made a terrible decision late in that game. I, I would also say that, you know, he also wasn't as effective as a runner as he needed to be in that game. And I think Romo may have mentioned this on the broadcast where it seemed like several times there he was just a hair late yeah. in pulling the trigger and making the decision to run. I think he ended up with 40, 50 yards rushing, but there were opportunities for more in that game. And look, uh, we heard from Jamison Hensley. who He's not afraid to call it like he sees it. And he says, look, the question with Lamar is still, can he get – Baltimore to a Super Bowl because look as well as he played in the divisional round with four overall touchdowns the this regular season success has just not carried over into the postseason for whatever reason yeah I would say because of his fun factor and it was on display yesterday <laughs> him catching that ball and just you know sprinting at a speed faster than anybody else still playing at a speed at times you know like Gibbs does for Detroit where you're like he's faster than anybody else yep. because he is so fun to watch because he does things nobody else can do with his athleticism and legs, I think that that cuts through, you know, and gives him kind of more benefit of the doubt. Like, I don't care, man. He's still so stinking fun. Man, he still makes just an extraordinary happen, and he's must-see TV. But, yeah, if you're a Ravens fan, you're looking at it now, and this one especially, you get Mahomes in your building. Number one seed. You are healthy. You are flying. You are physical. You are, on paper, the better team. And you didn't get it done, and you just got tight and emotional and lost your mind and screaming. And, you know, he throws a overthrows a running back in the flat, and he's yelling. And he, you know, just, man, stay calm. Stay cool. Stay collected. Stay like those Chiefs who once again show you why they're the class of the NFL. Okay, one more quick one. Takeaways. I can see now why Detroit was so bummed that John Schneider took Devin Witherspoon and Pete Carroll at number five. Mm-hmm. They wanted him so bad at number six. And you heard that after the draft and everything else. They were bummed in Detroit. Because you want to talk about the Raven way? Well, the Lions have crafted a very similar persona and identity. They know who they are and exactly their kind of player. And as you watch Detroit play, man, Devin Witherspoon, if he's a Lion, you may say they're in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Because they are so bad at corner, not very good at nickel. He's an unbelievable player. He's pound for pound, certainly the baddest Seahawk in 2023 and you start to see why they wanted him so bad in Ford Motor City and why we should be so thankful as he's up for defensive rookie player of the year again back-to-back years now with Woolen and now with Spoon that you were in the running I don't know if he's going to win that award but you see why Detroit was so mad on draft day that they didn't get the guy they wanted yeah, and, and for all of the conversation that we've had about those fourth down decisions that Dan Campbell made, not Dan Quinn, but Dan Campbell made, mm. and all of the scrutiny that you know that they're facing there, think of how differently that game would have gone oh, had number 29 caught the, the interception 
that bounced off of his face mask. Just catch the stinking ball. That is a heavy set of takeaways there with an eye back to the games yesterday, but more importantly, moving forward to and for the Seattle Seahawks. No news yet. Here is the news of this morning. If you're just tuning in and wondering what in the heck and when in the heck are we going to have a new head coach here in Seattle? Who is going to follow Pete Carroll? Well, we know that Pete or we know that John and some of the crew and the content, uh, the Constituents are out there in Detroit interviewing in person. Ben Johnson, a second interview, an in-person interview there this morning. If you're a Seahawks fan, you're probably thankful of the results yesterday, to yep. be honest with you, because now you get to interview Mike McDonald in person for the first time tomorrow on Tuesday. And then I think the hay is totally in the barn for both Washington and Seattle, the only two teams left of these eight vacancies. So as Brady has said multiple times over the course of the day, somewhere within the next 48 72 hours, maybe at the latest, we should be talking about the next leader of the Seattle Seahawks at, at uh, 945 every single day. Salky and Justin love to rank. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is Ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Salk. Top ten list. I'm not buying it. Ranked. Brady, you've done a phenomenal job. Over Thank your you. time here, not just today, but over the time where you have ranked some of your favorite grunge bands, music bands. I think we did a wrestling rank. Yep. Of oh, guess we did. Oh, yeah. We're Salt Paul Salt. Bear. Yeah, yeah Salt Paul Bear. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> but just flying home last night and looking at the show notes, thinking about a ranking, oh, feeling so awful now. Back-to-back weeks for a couple fan bases. <sighs> we decided to rank the cruelest toughest most miserable fan bases in all the sports mm. in all the land tortured tortured fan bases we start with a couple that maybe we don't know and certainly i don't know as well for an honorable mentioned is fresh in the building yet is fresh in is fresh is next to you he's not well he would tell you the toronto maple leafs the curse of the great harold ballard it's tough to be a toronto fan yeah not been like there's not been a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup for what more like twenty some years. Yeah, the Maple Leafs yeah. ended their 19 year playoff drought last year, mm-hmm. but um, they have not, and they are the team with the second most Stanley Cup wins behind the Canadians, and they have not won it in 56 years. 56 wow. years, and we're talking locked and loaded, talented teams getting to the playoffs, upper seed, and just fall flat off their skates. So they're not on a bull mansion. We just don't know them quite as well. Uh, we know the Oklahoma City Fender. Forget them. <laughs> yeah. In the Dust Bowl of Oklahoma get City. Of and get out of here. You ain't ever <laughs> winning nothing. Sorry. And you got a good young team assembled. And you got like 900 draft picks for the next 10 years. And, you know, your little really smarty pants that was here. Presty, I believe, is his name. He's still kind of running the show there. But the Thunder, you ain't never winning a title. Sorry. It's not going to happen. I'm not sorry at all. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, not sorry at all. So there's a couple honorable mentions. But we're going to get to our ranked, and we're going to get to number five on our list. And rest in peace, John Clayton. You hated Cleveland, even though you tried to deny it. You hated Cleveland. Oh, did. You did through and through in every mitochondria and every cell of your body as a Pittsburgh Steeler and a Pittsburgh guy. Hated everything Cleveland and those poor Cleveland fans. There's, I mean, all Justin did was type in Cleveland. Yeah. They're not Cleveland. It's been a miserable no. existence. Just listen. The one-one pitch. A deep drive to right. Tapping is alone. Game seven of the World Series is tied. 
this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, join the Miami Heat. The 0-1 pitch. A liner. There are a lot more clips in there of NFL games that I didn't oh. even get to put. <laughs> Is Bruce Grennan still on the radio in Cleveland? Oh. Oh. We stink, man. <laughs> it has been no. pretty brutal. It has been a pretty brutal for the Cavs. I know that LeBron came back and won the one and had the parade with nine gazillion people. But it's been tough for the Guardians, former Indians, for the Browns, for Craig Elo and those Cavs and Mark Price. So many years. Oh. We've got some Bruce Dredd in the system, of course. Oh, yeah. Fel Buena, Fel Buena, Fel. Give them back. You know what? Give them back to the Mets. <laughs> so they're number There's five. They're number five on the list where it's just hard. It's just hard to be a fan. Number four, maybe this is a bias and people get really mad at me. But the Oregon Ducks. I mean, they all do that logo, right? That little O. That's how many national football Zero. titles. Zero. I mean, just. Yeah. And this year, holy smokes, does it sting. Because Mariota got him to the playoff. They lose. Chip Kelly got him. Dennis Dixon, man, played Auburn tough. And the Tostitos Fiesta Boy for all the chips and guacamole, it was there. And they were right there, but they just couldn't get it done. I think of my buddy Luke Rittenauer. Ernie Kent, some great Elite Eight runs. Just, even Sabrina Ionescu got him in the Final Four. Just, oh, can't lift that trophy. And then this year, had a football team this year. Could have won the whole thing, but we know what happened twice. One more play to bleed the clock down, and then you would expect punt it. Johnson makes a cut. Forget about that. Johnson, first down, slides down, and the Washington Huskies are going to win the final Pac-12 championship and punch a mm. ticket to the college football playoff. Mm. Satisfying. You, you feel bad for them, Ducks, Brady? Well, at least they didn't lose their head coach. That's one thing they've got going oh, for them. Wow. wow. That wasn't a shot at anybody. I'm saying <laughs> it, felt it, like it, it, it could actually, be. No, it, was not, it was not. I'm just saying, uh-huh. uh, if you think you've been heartbroken, I mean, it could be worse. You could have to be replacing Dan mm-hmm. Lanning. Yep, he could have been offered the job, too, supposedly, you know. Supposedly he could have been offered, or maybe Greg Byrne just wanted Kalen more than anything else. So, mm. yep. Okay, that's number four on our list. Number three. So Mariners. Okay, uh, number yeah, two. Uh, number two? <laughs> number two. Sorry. We just moved right past the Schumers. Schumers. Uh, <laughs> number in the World Series, Schumers. I'm going to get there, so Schumers. It's going to happen at some point. So we'll just move past number three. It's been been tough, haven't well, I got to the World Series, but it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yesterday, watching Ford Field, man. Yesterday, imagining is that so many of them did. And C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you idiot. Don't be waving goodbye to the fans in San Francisco in the second quarter. You don't get to the Super Bowl in the second quarter or the third quarter. You get there in the fourth quarter, man. And you reference this. If this dude just catches this ball, just catch mm. this interception. Please, for the love of all things Detroit. Do you have a lot of time? Steps into one. Watching deep, going for Brandon Ayuk. It is. Oh, he caught it off the ricochet. Penalty. Is he in? He's down to the five. That would be Kindle Vildor. Of course. 
Valbuena. I'll tell you a quick story, Brock. So uh, week two, Seahawks play at the Lions. Yes. Our Lions reporter, Eric Woodyard, from Flint, Michigan, been following the Lions his whole life. He now covers them for ESPN. Remember what happened in week four with both Seattle and Detroit, right? Seattle loses week in two. off. Mm-hmm. No, but in, in the week before in the opener. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? The week Se- oh, right. Yeah. So Seattle was oh, coming yeah. off the awful oh, yeah. week one loss Rams. to the Rams where yep. they just laid a complete egg in the second yep. half. And Detroit, meanwhile, coming off of that incredible victory at in Arrowhead City, over yes. Mahomes and the defending champions. So I'm talking with Eric yep. pregame. And I said, so uh, what do you what do you think, man? What's your feel for this game? And he goes, I think Seattle's going to win it. I said, what? Did, w- with what happened last week with both of these teams? And he goes, 56 years, man. He goes, look, man, I've been I've been watching the Lions my whole life. Yeah. I've seen some stuff. Yeah. Seen some <laughs> he stuff. didn't say stuff, but yeah. he said something else. Yeah. Well, and you, you know, know what you know what yesterday that? was? Yeah, that stuff. He saw some stuff. Yeah, right Ghost. back to it. Just like the number one toughest team, fan base, are you freaking kidding me? The game on the line, he will. 44 yards pass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. I think the ESPN 30 for 30 on the Bills. Yes. The stretch where they went to four Super Bowls is one of the most depressing things I've ever seen. Four times. Like those guys still, when they talk about it, are haunted. Seat at the table four times and never, ever got dessert. Never got to lift it. Never. That's tough. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. It's an undisputed number one. Yeah. There it is. There's a little ranking. We do it every single day to wrap up the show. Salker, we'd be back tomorrow. He's going to have all sorts of fun stories. We're going to get to learn about some interviews. We're going to have some further news. We're going to have over the next 24, 48 hours. More than likely, your next CL Seahawks head football coach. Brady, can't thank you enough for coming in early on a Monday, brother. Appreciate you. Always love doing it, man. Thanks for having me. Yep. For more, Justin, who put this whole show together in operation behind the scenes, for every one of you that listens, we love you. We thank you for that. The news never slows. He is Brady Henderson. And for this day, as we hand it over to Bump and Stace, hey. It's in the barn, Brock. See you. Get to the job,